Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Friday edition is here alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton from 6th and Peabody downtown Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeehaw beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, our location. 6th and Peabody each and every day for the Outkick 360 Studios. Jam-packed show coming at you today. We're, we'll cover all the, uh, the angles for the weekend. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you guys. Excited about this show. We had a big Thursday show. Really big Thursday show. The people seem to like the Thursday show. Can we follow that up with more greatness today? That's really, look, when you, you get to a level of great, the way this show has become, it's that difficult. It gets more and more difficult to follow up greatness with more greatness. As That's you say, Chad, as you always say, they're all big. The, the, every They're one all of them, big. all of these shows are all very big. You're and Friday, right. it's our obligation to carry people into the big, the big weekend. Bobby so Carpenter we will join us coming up in an hour and a half. Looking forward to previewing the college football weekend. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com a bit later in the show. Uh, Jill Savage will be here from Outkick the Tailgate after today's show. Headed to Knoxville for Outkick the Tailgate tomorrow morning. As we broadcast from Calhoun's on the River, Tennessee, and number one, Georgia, we will be live at 10 o'clock Eastern, going up until noon in the kickoffs across the country. Uh, we have Grant Furking, Tennessee wide receiver, on in the second hour today. Looking forward to chatting with him again. And uh, we have a Hollywood director on the show today, Chad. Roston Marshall Thurber, uh, who is a Hollywood director who looks like a Hollywood star. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. He's a very handsome man. And he is going to be joining us a little bit later on the show. In fact, in about 42 minutes, uh, he will be joining us. He is the director of Red Notice. Uh, this is a movie that I'm looking forward to watching on Netflix. Looks really good. The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, or is it Gal Gadot? I don't know. I'm going to sound I fancier and go Gal Gadot. Um, really good cast. Looks like a fun you know, action comedy heist movie. Uh, looking forward to watching it and looking forward to talking with the director of that film, Rostin Marshall Thurber, a little bit later. Movie, film, I would probably call this one a movie. Piece of cinema. I think most things, you know, if it's not uh, The Irishman, most things on Netflix, probably you'd say movies, not film, when you're streaming. Either way, uh, Rostin Marshall Thurber, he's got an impressive catalog. Also, Easy A, the We're the Millers with Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston. Cool. He's directed and written some cool stuff. I think I read this is the biggest budget Netflix thing yet. I would believe and it based on based the trailer. On this, yeah. That's saying scenes. something. And the locations. Yeah. This is a global heist movie. They, they are in the jungle in one scene. They're in Paris. Uh, they're in New York City. They are all over the place. Looks good. It'll be a fun show. Uh, not a fun Thursday night football game. But last competitive night. again. Competitive. A really but, a slog to get terrible. through. Terrible. Miami, I mean... 
I broke the league down, the AFC down, into the haves and the have-nots. Every, uh, we know how good the, the, the conference is in terms of winning records, right? What do we say? 11 of the 16 have winning records. But Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincinnati, the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Titans all have a terrible loss. They've, they've lost to, to Miami, Jacksonville, Jets, Giants, Miami, Jets. You have to go, uh, I, I'm going to score these teams up, Cleveland, Kansas City, the Chargers, and Pittsburgh, because they do not have a crap loss. So I'm coming into today off of last night, slightly scoring those four teams up because they haven't lost to a crap team. Dolphins have won two games in five days. They've gone from <laughs> one and seven to three and seven over the span of five days. Congratulations to them. I mean, that quarterback stuff was bizarre last yeah, how, night. If how, Tua's so, not suited to start, right. but he's suited to come in when Brissett is saying, I'm fine and I can with come a back hand in. Injury. Yeah. Um, and then he bangs his hand with the bad finger, Tua does, and looks to have aggravated it and then stays in. It looks like a cluster. Not healthy enough to start, but healthy enough to play to a tongue of Iloa. That makes no sense to me. But maybe they are telling us exactly what they think about the quarterback situation. Yeah, that to me, that's more of a statement of we may have a better chance at winning with Jacoby Brissett. So we want to go with him and, instead of Tua, uh, which, I mean, they're not that far off in terms of what no. those guys are bringing you at this point. And it's just a very weird game. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, Lamar couldn't handle... The, the the blitzing and there was no Greg Roman had no answer times. for what Miami was doing defensively. Um is impressive planning and persistence by the Dolphins last night. And for the Ravens, they're now a full game behind the Titans for that number one overall seed. Now plus down a tiebreaker. Uh, well down, and badly right. down a tiebreaker. That's another conference loss. Right. They have three conference losses. Yep. Titans only have one. And now, it's their crap loss that we're talking Ravens about. Ravens still currently sit number one in the AFC North as of right now. They're six and three. That's going to be a hell of a division that, fight. That can change over this weekend, of course. Uh, and right now, they're the, still the number two seed. And I realize it's early to start talking playoff seeding, but with that one bye, it matters. Um, the Chargers have a big matchup this weekend against the Vikings, uh, NFC, AFC, but still uh, a chance to get to six and three overall. They're first in the AFC West currently. The Bills atop the AFC East. Uh, they're a game ahead of New England, but New England still gets to play the Bills twice over the final stretch run of the season. Raiders are the five seed currently in the AFC. They're five and three. They're second in the AFC West. And then the Steelers are the sixth seed. They're ahead of the Patriots, who would be the final playoff spot if the playoffs started today. It's I, all a jumbled mess. And then there's Kansas City. They're the first team out currently. Uh, Browns, Bengals, Broncos are your next teams in line for that final playoff I, The spot. interesting thing to me about the AFC, and we'll be talking about this for, for weeks all, all the way through, the, the biggest characteristic of the team that you would call the favorite isn't really a football characteristic. The Titans are on top of that. Yeah. And their resiliency and finding a way to win is the thing. You don't, with Derrick Henry out, you're not looking at the Titans and saying, oh, their X is going to carry them through in terms of football characteristic, right? Uh, maybe their front four you're starting to get to, but 
right now I look at the Titans and I say, well, if they're the favorite and it's going to happen for them, what's going to carry them to through their, well, their ability to adapt game by game, their ability to uh, survive. I just wrote about the secondary. They just made it through a month. They, they didn't get a single snap in that month with, with their top three cornerbacks on the field together. So what makes the Titans a favorite right now? Their, their ability to win despite a bunch of stuff. I still look across the AFC and think if the Bills can figure out, and now the Titans have to figure out a ground game also without mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, but if the Bills can get any semblance of a rushing attack going, they're the best. They're, they're still the team to beat. It's hard to beat Even with the, the problems Bills they've had, but their, their defense uh, with Josh Allen and their receiving threat, if they can just get anything going on the ground, I still feel like... The Bills are the best team. Now, that's not to say that the Titans aren't right there and they have just as many possibilities for great things come playoff time if they figure things out offensively. Well, I'm going to touch on this in my props, but I think in many ways, Hutton, the story of this weekend or one of the big stories of this weekend is bounce back. Dallas is coming off a terrible loss. Buffalo's coming off a terrible loss. If these teams are what we think they are, if they are what they're supposed to be, um, they should have good showings this weekend coming off of terrible performances. Just like in 10 days, I don't even know who Baltimore's playing, but I would expect to see a very good Baltimore team 10 days after losing to Miami in terrible fashion. They are at Chicago yeah. in 10 days. They should uh, be very good against Chicago in 10 days after that crap show. And then, and then we begin this stretch run of, of divisional opponents because the Ravens will then go to or excuse me, they, they return home to host Cleveland, then they go to Pittsburgh. That's the best divisional fight in the, in yeah. the league. I mean, everybody... Isn't it that way every year, it feels like? Well, <laughs> well usually somebody's really bad at the, at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Usually yeah. Cincinnati's been really bad at the bottom. Everybody's in it. I mean, Cincinnati's not looking as good as it was, but... Usually the top of the division is great, and then the bottom of the division, there's also a battle for the number one overall pick. Yeah. This right? year, it's a four-team slugfest. It's going to be good. Feels in a way a bit like the the NFC West was shaping up to be, right? Before the Forty Niners fell off. Now it's a two team deal, right? Well, I, I, I don't I don't buy Seattle getting back in it. I know that. What's interesting about Seattle is Russell Wilson remains the top rated quarterback for for passer rating, despite missing a month. You've had all these quarterbacks that have played more football, and Russell Wilson still leads the league in QBR. There's another bounce back team. Rams coming off a, a bad loss. Yeah. And, and all back. the hype now about Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. There's a ton of hype about that. Like, that's all the NFL put out. How do you stop this offense? Or who can stop this offense? And you're yeah, thinking, it's weird uh, we coming just, off we an offense that we just, just saw. a defense do it. Yeah. It you really know? is. And there was, that and there was so that much game talk doesn't about, exist. There was also so much talk about Odell Beckham Jr. not being the same Odell Beckham Jr. Now suddenly... It's who could stop Odell Beckham Jr. in this Rams offense. Yeah, right. Just after drop we, him in after L.A. You guys are right. We just saw it. And all of a sudden, he's the guy that was making the one-handed <laughs> catch in New York. Like, those seven years don't exist between now and that catch. I don't know how long it's been. I'm it feels like that long. Years. It does. <clears throat> it um, is funny. That Titans-Rams game, the Titans got a lot of hype out of that. But in a lot of ways, <laughs> conveniently, it doesn't exist because it might interrupt the Rams storyline. <laughs> yeah, just to bypass that. They, uh, they're back on primetime playing Monday Night Football this week uh, against San Francisco. 
Chad. I would predict that'll be a blowout, just like I predicted last night to be a blowout. But that you you hit on this early. They've got some primetime fairy dust going on. Yeah, they are a little bit. Um any uh any magic potion for the Vols this weekend? Oh you bu- some fairy some- dust to sprinkle on them and uh, the way- suddenly make it where their safeties are fast and uh yeah. <laughs> they can stop the run game of Georgia. Guys, can they I'd- make can they can I, I here's what I want to see Georgia do or, or force uh, see Tennessee force Georgia to do. Can they make Stetson Bennett have to make a critical pass in the fourth quarter? That dude has not had to play no. He's had no any pressure. stress in the fourth quarter this no, year. No pressure at all on Stetson Bennett. Um, I, I don't, I, there's a lot of talk about how this is going to be a close game. I don't see it. It's wishful. I, I really don't see it. I mean, now, do I think that Tennessee has a chance to score more and do more on offense than any opponent so far for Georgia? Yeah. And that's also in part because no one's done anything against Georgia. So I think Tennessee has the capability to pop a, a, a couple huge pass plays to make something happen. But here's where Tennessee is right now. They don't have their first two running backs. And we're going to talk later in the show uh, with our VolQuest guys about this. But if Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, who they're saying you're going to have to watch them in warm-ups to see if they can go at all, if Tennessee is down to their running attack being a 175-pound freshman in Jalen Wright, a walk-on in Marcus Pierce... And then Lynette Whitehead, who's their bigger back option, and Hendon Hooker running it, that is a one-dimensional attack. And when you're one-dimensional against Georgia, they are going to kill you. Yeah. They are going to get after Hendon Hooker, <laughs> and he is not going to be able to make passes. So I, I don't see where people think this is going to be particularly close. But I do see where, hey, this is a different challenge for Georgia with Tennessee's pace uh, and with the way they can score quickly. Tennessee's tied for the lead nationally in 70-plus yard plays with five. I see Tennessee scoring some points in this game, but I don't see them stopping Georgia. I don't see them, unless Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, there's a miracle and they're completely healthy. I don't see them running the ball against Georgia. For that reason, I think it's another blowout for the Bulldogs. For for what it's worth. The 20-point spread for a reason. I think it, I, I would take I would say go over that. Georgia's going to win by more than 20. See, I, I'm taking the points in this game. Uh, because I I just want to see if Georgia can be tested offensively, right? Like, can can Tennessee's defense rise to the occasion against Stetson Bennett and the Bulldogs' offense? Um, instead of the other way around, there's a lot of talk about Tennessee's offense against Georgia's defense. To me, it comes down to, can you make Stetson Bennett feel a little pressure? He The, the guy has thrown 50 passes this season when Georgia has either trailed or led by less than 14 points. He's thrown 50 passes in those circumstances. That's it. I would have guessed this guy has it easy. Well, that's just the first quarter when it's still tied. Can they put it? Can they put a little pressure on him and force some mistakes? It's and that that is that's got to be the strategy. Tim Banks tried to sit back on a fourth and 24 and play prevent, and Tennessee screwed it up, and Kentucky got a first down. He then proceeded to blitz four times. He needs a blitz constantly in this game. There has to be a it's a run blitz or we're bringing extra guys to put pressure on the run game in Stetson Bennett, someone's going to be open. Yeah. But you've got to make Stetson Bennett make that quick read, make that throw properly with pressure in his face. That's how you affect Georgia anyway, because sitting back with this Tennessee defense, they're going to be able to cover some guys down the field, but what eventually happens is what we saw with Matt Corral, what we saw with Bryce Young. They're just going to run for 15, 20 yards and pick up the first down. Right, there's gonna. It's not a coverage sack. It's a coverage quarterback scramble that leads to a big game. 
That's what happens when Tennessee drops eight guys into coverage. They may cover it well in the beginning, but then someone, you know, the quarterback's going to run for a first down. So I, I believe Tennessee has got to blitz, bring pressure all day long, and, and go in. You know, they're wearing the black uniforms again. Go in with a nothing to lose mentality. Yeah. Go have fun. Blitz, don't worry about it. Go big. Get, get, run your switch routes. Get something open down the field. Just go have fun. I don't think that mentality is going to be a problem. I don't think so either. I think their lack of speed on defense <laughs> combined with no running backs is yeah. going to be the problem. Yeah. And Georgia. Georgia's the yeah. problem. I mean, Adam, Adam Anderson has been, you know, he now to turn himself in charged with rape. And he's the best defensive player on the team. And his backup's a five-star. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, they are just rolling out five-star players on defense. That this is what you're seeing now with Georgia's defense. When people want to talk about, well, you know, you can find under the radar guys, and recruiting doesn't always matter. This is where it matters. That's a defense of five star players, and this is the result. And it's well coached by Kirby Smart. Coming up, Jill Savage will join us. We'll be discussing uh, Tennessee and Georgia, among other games, and uh, we'll get into I'll kick the tailgate. What's on tap for tomorrow? When we come back, though, Paul's props for this weekend at FanDuel.com/slash OK360. And upsets for the NFL weekend. Outright winners next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on. Shout out to the Upper Cumberland Sports Radio 104.7. Also, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence. We say hello to you this afternoon. Also, uh, Fox Sports Knoxville. Headed to Knoxville. Headed to the hill. Looking forward to giving shout-outs to even more radio stations yes. across this yeah. fine country of ours as we grow our radio network through Skyview, which was announced uh, earlier this week. Right? That was this week. Yeah. yeah. The weeks are all running together now, gentlemen. Got some nice attention for that. Details on the radio network uh, online. You can follow us on Twitter for that link, Outkick360, or Outkick.com is where you can read the story. It is time for It's time to make some money. It's time to go to FanDuel.com slash OK360 and play these games like you already know the result. You can bet these games as if they've already been played. Outright winners for the NFL weekend. Week 10, I've got two winners for you. Uh, most of the time I go three, maybe four. I see two. I see two clear as day this week. And we start with the Seahawks on the road against the Green Bay Packers. I'm taking uh, Seahawks over the Packers, Vikings over the Chargers, and let's start with the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers will not have taken a single snap for nearly two weeks. I'm not saying he's rusty, but if he's in the least bit, just slow out of the gate here. Seattle can take advantage. Russell Wilson, meanwhile, has been practicing uh, and is by far an energy boost to a roster that desperately needs him. We know he's going to play. We think Aaron Rodgers is going to play. I would bet the Seahawks straight up to win on the road at Lambeau Field this week. Um, and as we've seen, players with COVID, while they may not have symptoms, tend to come back a little slow. Don't know how Rodgers is going to play. And, and he normally plays with a chip on his shoulder when everyone is looking at him or things are stacked against him. I'm just not seeing it this week. I like the Seahawks on the road this week. Vikings over the Chargers. This is going to be a great game. I think this is a field goal game. The Chargers give up 160 yards of, of rushing offense to their opposition week in and week out. They allow that much on the ground. The next worst team allows 140. They're terrible. 
Minnesota, slow and prodding. They want to run the football and run it well. They have the chance to do that. Uh, Meanwhile, if Minnesota can just show up with some semblance of uh, a way to shut down the Chargers passing attack, they're going to win this game. It's going to be close. I think it's the game of the weekend. I'm taking the Vikings uh, in what is a must-win situation for them to win. Paul, your thoughts on these? Uh, both intriguing. I'm I'm going the other way on on the Packers game. I think Rodgers comes back with uh, with a vengeance that'll show up here in a, a second. I do think that the Vikings are a bad matchup for the Chargers. Um, I, I'm starting to feel like anybody with the semblance of a run game is a bad matchup for the Chargers. They well, need they, to figure out how to defend the run or they're going to disappear in the AFC. Yeah, you, but they, they win in spite of their terrible run defense. Yeah. Well, and you did Which such a good do. job selling those upsets that not only did I bet them as you were saying them, I <laughs> parlayed them. Oh, nice. I parlayed the two together the and uh, went you know, big on the parlay. So I'm going to have a nice little weekend if both those before, before we get to props, I nearly picked a third. I nearly picked the Saints. To win outright this week at Nissan uh, I, Stadium, I think that's I like that better than I didn't because of how I opportunistic. May add, I may add that to my part like better than uh, <laughs> how opportunistic that the Titans defense has been, and I didn't because I'm not willing to put my money with the Saints quarterback situation. Um, so I, I didn't go. I, my gut didn't tell me to go with the Saints. I think it's a very defensive football game, Titans Saints. Got some props for us, Paul? I do have some props for you. I, uh, I'm i looking always at these uh, week specials for, for Sunday. Highest scoring game on Sunday. Everybody tends to look at you know high scoring like both teams are going to score huge. I don't think the Falcons are going to score huge in this game. I do think the Cowboys will. I mm. talked about bounce back games. Dallas is third in points. Atlanta is 28th. I think Dallas is coming off that Denver game just dying of thirst. Um, And so I'm doubling up on Dallas here. I'm also going highest scoring teams on Sunday. Uh, And I'm looking at two teams that are coming off bad losses. The Cowboys, I'm hitting here too at plus 800. The Bills coming off that disaster against Jacksonville. Uh, the Jets have the 32nd oh. scoring defense in the league. The Bills, despite scoring six points last week, are the first scoring offense in the league. That is a get healthy well, game right there. Also, Paul, the, the, the Bills, I like this because the Bills have held the, uh, the opposing offense three times this season without a touchdown. Now, they lost last week by doing that. 9-6 was the final. But you get where I'm going here. They're playing the Jets. I would anticipate the Jets really struggling to find the the red zone, let alone the end zone in this. Yeah, so it's for me, on both of these, the question to me is how much they take their foot off the gas late yeah. in a blowout win. Yeah. You know, are they satisfied with 30 or do they score the you know closer to to 40? And then Rodgers at plus 1,400 for the most passing yards on Sunday, just outrageously good odds if he does, in fact, yeah. come back and, and light it up it to comes, stick it to the man. Yeah, come, yeah, he comes back and he's pissed off at the world. Yes. Uh, Arizona, he's angry at everyone. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, Seattle is 28th uh, defending the pass. So time for Aaron Rodgers to take his vengeance out on the medical community. There's room there. I'm due to, I'm due to Devontae hit. Devontae Adams might be a good play too. Yeah, I'm due to hit 
Uh, and I feel um, pretty good about those. Paul, yeah. I bet on all those too. Yeah, you very, sold, you sold the Royals. Uh, I did not. I did not parlay them. I will say he parlayed very, them all. I'm gonna need. To I'm gonna need one of these of yours to hit <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> at some point because. You were over, and uh, I feel like you won, I won a couple early. of these. I won the first, but that two weeks. sparked this segment. Yeah, and where now, you won a couple, and then segment. you started going public with them, and none You're of them. Suggesting have hit. we should close down the segment if I, I don't. I, I, I don't bet know. on all of them. I, no. I I trust you guys. I go with what you say. I'm Look, just, all it takes is one hit of a plus fourteen hundred. All it takes is one hit of a plus fourteen hundred, and it buys me five more weeks. One hit, and we're back to even with Paul's profit. <laughs> oh, great. I have money in my FanDuel account again after hitting. Perfect. We need that win. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Um, if we get one win on what Paul just laid out there, that's fantastic. You know what? A we're going to win weekend. them all. We're winning them all. We can't win them all because we did win <laughs> yeah, a couple we of them. We're two in the same We're going to win every category. You and we're going to win. Tied? I'm winning my win parlay with Hutton's underdog picks. What if we're winning. We, what, what if, if the, the Bills... Seahawks... No, what if the Seahawks win... And Rodgers leads the league in passing yards. Yeah. And we hit both. And, and what if the Bills and Dallas tied for the highest scoring? What if they both scored like 42? <laughs> you win both. Maybe, yeah. At plus 800. Right. So you uh, win the tie when it's a dead even? Yeah, I guess, I guess I, so, I right? I think so. But it doesn't split it? Or everyone who has those teams everyone wins everything those in teams their... Everyone wins, I would think. You just stumbled I mean, upon something I never even thought about. They I thought can't you, not reward you for Yeah, you're going to be rewarded with something, but I wonder if it's a it's diluted a pool. Yeah, they would just reduce whatever the parlay is. Well, I, I mean, if you they have Dallas at plus 800 and Dallas scores the most points in the week, but somebody else also scores the most points in the week, I, don't, I, don't know how it's the financially, week, I think it the bet. I don't know how it's financially viable for the sports book, if four teams score 42 <laughs> and they pay out full amounts, they flip a coin for everyone. See what I'm saying? You divide it by you can't, everyone can't win their full odds on that. Well, they uh, have to like dilute it you know or what? cut it in half. Somebody or out there read the fine print for Let, us. Let's Maybe they it. cut it in half. This is a, two, we'll do it live. This is a bankrupt fan duel weekend on Outkick 360. I love these financial is. discussions we have on the show. Really? Yes. We show We're really hitting at prowess. the core of the financial markets and sports wagering when we have these. Are we having Todd Furman on sometime soon? We can, Next uh, week, I think. We'll we'll ask him. No, Todd will have a very clear and fast spoken answer. To we'll then exactly ask him the saying. odds for the women's national championship in twenty twenty five. Randomly. <laughs> <laughs> Jill Savage joins us game from Outkick the Tailgate. Uh, Outkick the Tailgate tomorrow morning, ten o'clock Eastern. 10 to noon, we will be live from Calhoun's on the River. Uh, Jill Savage joining us here in studio. Great to see you. And uh, we're back in Knoxville this weekend, Jill. Uh, I, this is not actually going to be back in Knoxville for me. This is going to be my first time. You guys yeah. uh, started Outkick the Tailgate without me. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, but I do want to let everybody know that I have a lot of power at my hands, at my fingertips right now. If you're listening, I'm sitting in you look David like a Reed's. keyboardist. See, so uh, yeah, you better, better, you know. We go watch live. What you say our, today. We go live to our church organist, yeah. Jill Savage. At, uh, at, at like, the she's like Robin Quivers with an organ. Uh, yeah, yes. she's got the full power of David Reed right now. That's right. At, at her disposal. And I don't, and I don't have any of the knowledge of David Reed. So I have all the power, none of the knowledge. Not a good combination. Jill, have you ever been to Knoxville? I know you weren't on our first no. tour, tour stop. This is the first time. First time ever. Oh. Yeah. So you guys have to. You know, I really wish I could be there know. to show you the city. Baptism by George. Bobby Carpenter will show around. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Don't worry. Bobby, please. <laughs> have my city. Show, show Jill my city. Uh, Mr. Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Jill, uh, Bobby Carpenter, a guest host tomorrow with us. And uh, we'll also have Tony Vitello, uh, UT baseball coach on the show. 
Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Bobby has to say. I mean, we are going to be spending a lot of time, I feel like, talking about Ohio State and the college football playoff rankings. And if we think that where Oregon is and Ohio State is and Michigan beating, you know, not beating Michigan State, but now being ranked higher than them. Like, if you look at it, Oregon gets so much credit for beating Ohio State. That happened weeks ago. That happened in week two. Michigan, Michigan State just happened. Yet, it's it's seemingly like, oh, we'll forget that one. Even though it's it's so fresh in our minds, it doesn't matter. So we'll 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 break all that down this weekend. The whole debate about head to head and when things happened and how, you know, suddenly it's so much more important if you lose late as opposed to losing early. These are the things that drive college football fans crazy for years. When you look at I mean, going back to the old BCS, right? It was always the debate of that of well, you don't want to lose late. You know, if you're going to have a loss, have a loss early and then go on a big winning streak and you're going to have a better chance. Uh, these are the debates that make it the really college football is, world go around. I don't know that we're ever going to have a solution to it because everyone's yeah. going to look at Michigan over ahead of Michigan State and say, well, that's not right. But Chad, isn't Oregon a great example of what this college football season has been? Which is, you've got one, it looks like you have one true elite team and then there's just this hodgepodge of, Really good teams. I don't know if there are any other great teams in the mix, and Oregon's one of them. And again, I saw that the the latest rankings, and we talked about it. But and Jill, you can chime in on this one too. This is exactly what they want. It's two SEC teams, one Big Ten power, one team out west. This is how you would draw it up if you had a television package for this is what we want our playoff to be, and they have it right now. It's not going to be that way at the end of the year, but they have it right now. Absolutely. And I, I think that when you look at this week's playoff rankings, you remember that this is the TV show aspect of it coming out. If they just moved everybody up one spot, mm-hmm. that doesn't make for good TV. Nobody has anything to talk about for the week. We're all just sitting there going, oh, OK, well, yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense that we just bumped them down a little and scooted everybody else up that you need some drama. You need some intrigue. And I feel like that's exactly what this week's rankings are we're all about what the college football playoff needs more than anything else is for Cincinnati to find a way into that playoff and to win one game. Yes. Just win a game. Glorious. Don't, don't win it all. You don't have to win that'd it be all. Fine too. But if a Cincinnati got in there and won one, just one time change everything, that would be a game changer. I'm not saying there's going to be a Cincinnati every year capable of that, but at least we get to the point where, okay, maybe now, and now Cincinnati's moving to a power five, so it's a moot point, but maybe now one of these programs will have a chance to rise up and and do something. By the way, we didn't discuss this yesterday. Uh, What do we think about Jim Mora Jr. coaching UConn? uh, Paul, you're our Northeastern correspondent. (laughs) Your thoughts on the UConn football job? It's a lot of energy required for what appears to be a hopeless job. I wonder how much money he got for that. I don't know why anybody wants to take that on. Well, Jim Mora Jr. is not exactly highly thought of in coaching circles right now either, but that's a good name. Yeah. I mean, I saw the hire and I'm like, you know, if you're you're trying to sell recruits on UConn, you could do a lot worse than Jim Mora as a name to coach coach that program. He's a good name and that's about it. I will say working uh, at the Pac-12, he was one of the coaches that I covered for years at the Pac-12. I... Was not, not sad to see him go. <laughs> was not. Sad. What's the biggest downside? Uh, he's not pleasant to deal with uh, in any shape or form. 
just like his father with everyone at with, all times with, with everyone I mean, and there's there's just so many examples and and everybody that knows him kind of they it, it's it's not a secret like you're saying in coaching circles everyone knows that we'll just we'll use the term unpleasant we'll just stick with the term unpleasant to deal is, with is so chip how do you kelly more or less program? pleasant Chip Kelly, is he more oh, or less pleasant? Way better. Okay. Chip, wow. Chip is funny. Chip is a movie guy. Chip is a stupid humor guy. If you can get Chip on Chad a good day. Yeah. yeah, Chad actually Why is he would, on the show weekly? <laughs> Chad would love Chip Kelly. And once you're in the inner circle with Chip, you're in for life. Jim Mora, I used to text um, our, our color analyst questions because I was like, hey, I need a real answer to this and I need Jim to, you know, I, this is part of my story for like my opening hit or whatever in the game. So uh, if you could ask it, that that would be great because then he'll actually answer. Chip's it. not on the show weekly because he talked to Dennis Leary. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just we're gonna we're now gonna bump Rostin Marshall Thurber for Chip Kelly. Philip, have you watched that? Get no. his movie no. thoughts. <laughs> oh, you like that, huh? Yeah. So that's, oh, that hire doesn't make much sense given what you're saying because Connecticut needs to sell yeah. itself to players and Can, to New England, and it doesn't sound like he has much of a chance. It's not of doing even that. about so, like I think Connecticut. You would almost be better off doing what uh, what Texas Tech did. You know, they hired the staple, Joey McGuire, the staple of Texas high school football, who everyone loves, everyone knows, and he's going to recruit all these high schools where he knows everyone, and he's a Texas guy. You almost, you need that Northeastern, Northeastern fixture. Yeah. Like, you could go hire New England a, a legendary New England high school coach connected everywhere that would know exactly where to go to get the right players to succeed at UConn. Better um, than this. That's, that's a fit, right? This is... What is Jim Mora Jr.'s fit in New England at UConn? That, I don't know. That's a that's a weird deal. But, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting Chip uh, Jill getting Chip Kelly on the show. For you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Coming up, uh, the top of my Jim Mora list though. He was he was throwing f bombs my way post game. Wow. Uh, saying that we we don't do that here, and and all that was was a post game interview with his player, which we did every week. We don't and do I, that here. Yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, Jim, but this is standard. Everybody is, does this. This is what we do. And, he, and he is he, going he, to hate nil. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be uh, it's gonna be a, a nice rude awakening for him with the UConn budget that he's gonna have. Yeah, he doesn't uh, have to worry about nil at UConn. If Dan Wolkin had a problem with Bo Davis's uh, rant, he's gonna have a real problem with uh, with Jim Mora's rants Fair. about nil and the transfer portal. You can uh, chime in for Outkick the Tailgate right now on Twitter at Outkick three hundred and sixty. Our Twitter poll. We're gonna have a couple of these throughout today's show that we'll chime in with uh, tomorrow. So. You can weigh in. Jill, what is our first poll question for tomorrow? There are a lot of upsets this season in college football. So which team is most likely to get upset this weekend? Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State versus Purdue, Washington State at Oregon, or Michigan at Penn State? It's a good question because I'm not sure if any of these favorites lose. Um, although we've seen craziness, as you mentioned. I, I lean towards Penn State pulling the upset first of this group. I think Oregon is fair game. I just don't think it happens this week. I would go in this order. I would go Penn State over Michigan. Yeah. Then I would go Purdue over, uh, sorry, Washington State over Oregon, Purdue over Ohio State, Tennessee over Georgia. If Purdue pulls another upset, I mean, they're, they're, can they do it again? Yeah, they're like Can ruining they everybody's do it season. Again? By the way, Ohio State is actually a bigger favorite over Purdue than Georgia is over Tennessee. Wow. I think it's 21 and a half and it's 20 are the point spreads when I was like going through the spreads. Anyway. Chad, can we bet this game as if it's already been played? Is that what uh, you're saying? No. Oh, okay. We, we cannot. So unless that, unless that bet game. is for Georgia to cover the 20, then yes. <laughs>
That's the only way. Chad, will you miss us tomorrow? I will miss you all greatly tomorrow as I'm During the away. wonderful ceremony. Yeah, I'll be uh, in that ceremony's time right up with that Tennessee-Georgia game, too. It was, it's all really coming together. 3 p.m., I'll be headed over uh, headed from my wedding. buddy's house at, uh, at 2. Game kicks off at 2.30. I won't see a second of it. Give, me, the, give me this <laughs> camera for a second. I have the most unique thought here. Now, I did not grow up in SEC country, but I've lived in it for some time. A wedding is more important than a football game. I, I said it. It's true. It's one game, and it's marriage for life. It's inconveniently scheduled for, for, for some people, but it's more important. You'll be fine. Paul could be wrong. It's fine. Unless Georgia loses to Tennessee and Chad didn't see it. It'll be fine. I mean, look, I'm going to be equally as happy. I'll watch it on Sunday either way. So Jill, see you in Knoxville. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. See you guys soon. Bobby Thanks, Carpenter, our guest host tomorrow. Tony Vitello on the show and much more. We start at 10 a.m. Eastern. Coming up, Chad. We're heading to Hollywood. Rostin Marshall Thurber, the director of Red Notice, streaming today at Netflix. He's coming up. Is he a director or Georgia's quarterback? We'll find out next <laughs> on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. And uh, Chad, we are excited about our next guest. Rostin Marshall Thurber. He's the director of Red Notice. It's streaming right now on Netflix. And he's got uh, some really good movies in his catalog. He's on with us right now. Rostin, really appreciate it, man. And when I think of, of fun, when, hey, when you want hey. to watch something and, and, and watch it for fun, obviously, I can't think of much more fun than The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Gal Gadot, you know, globe trotting in a heist movie. So this had to be fun for you too. Not too shabby, right? Uh, no, it was a uh, it, it was uh, a real pleasure. Uh, this is a movie that I wrote and directed, and and um, and it, it took a long time to make just because of uh, you know the the global pandemic struck about halfway between uh, you know halfway in the middle of our shoot, and we had to shut down for about six months. So this one took a little bit longer and was a little harder than than any of the others, but, uh, but well worth it. It's a, it's a lot of fun and I, I can't wait for folks to see it on Netflix. You know, you've got three pretty fit stars, uh, in this movie. Uh, who, who's, I know the rock has it in his contract where he has to have so much time to work out. Who actually spends more time working out the rock, Ryan Reynolds or, or Gal Gadot? Oh my gosh. You're going to get me in trouble on the, on the <laughs> second question. Uh, well, you know, obviously Dwayne, everybody knows how Dwayne, uh, hits the gym and, and Ryan's no slouch either. But I got to say, I got to say, Sneaky, it's Gal Gadot. That does not surprise me. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm wondering if you are a hotter commodity in this era than you might have been at other times because you're actually writing an original movie script and dealing in that, which seems rarer mm -hmm. and rarer when we're loaded with reboots and sequels and comic books and brands uh, yeah. filling up the roster. What a smart question. Uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's unfortunately vanishingly rare. Uh, the the sort of uh, original ideas at this scale, uh, and there aren't a lot of writer directors who um, who who work on kind of the the sort of bigger crowd pleasing uh, canvases. Um, so I, I don't know if that makes me a hotter commodity. It certainly makes me, you know, a a rarer commodity. Um, uh, you know. Uh, and I, you know, so far so good, I guess, but I wouldn't call myself a hot commodity. What's it like working with Netflix? Uh, it's, it was actually fantastic. It was my first film with Netflix and, uh, you know, it was unbelievable uh, amount of sort of creative support. Um, and, and, uh, 
and openness. Uh, you know, what's interesting is, is some people who don't work in this business might not might not quite understand this, but but Netflix, uh, the, the the executives that work at Netflix are all the same people that used to work at the studios that I made movies with there. So the head of features at Netflix is a guy named Scott Stuber, uh, who made a movie I made, he produced a movie I made called Central Intelligence. And Scott is uh, the greatest of all time. He's sort of like the JFK of Hollywood. Uh, so, so everybody at Netflix used to work at studios or, produ or were producers in their own right. So it's all sort of the, the people you've ar you already know. So it's not all that different in terms of the creative process. One thing that is different, if, if you'll allow me to, to continue, is um, the scale uh, uh, that Netflix has, the, the amount of people that they can reach. And Net, you know, Red Notice is out on Netflix uh, today and this weekend, and more people are going to see Red Notice its opening weekend than will have seen all of my other movies during their entire theatrical run combined so that's how big netflix wow. is um that's impressive yeah, it's, it's pretty staggering when you when you when you think about it i know that's the the most important scale i'm wondering how much how important the other scale is where a, a picture of this kind of visual uh element not being on the big screen that you probably envisioned it at the beginning and being, yeah. being more on people's living room TVs or even an iPad or even a phone, oh, uh, does, that, does that pain you? Of course. As a, as, a, as a filmmaker, I think any filmmaker worth his or her salt would, would gasp and clutch their pearls at the thought of someone watching their movie on an Apple Watch. I mean, talk about <laughs> just de devastating. Um, but, but, and also, you know, uh, uh, Red Notice came out uh, in, uh, in theaters on the 5th, so some people could see it on a big screen. And of course, you know, it's a big, fun, action-adventure comedy, kind of a global heist thriller, old-school swashbuckler kind of film. So that definitely lends itself to a big screen. Um, but, you know, as uh, just speaking as a filmmaker, uh, you know, yes, it's it, when, when you, you always want your movie to be in theaters, you want it to be the number one movie, uh, you know, that weekend, and you want, you know, to win all the Academy Awards and da 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 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, you, you know, you want it all. Um, but all of that stuff is is ego, uh, right? It's all about your own vanity and and really, of course, your own insecurity. Um, but but once you once you let that go, and it, it took me a minute to let it go because I'm you know pretty vain person. Um, but once you <laughs> let it go, uh, and 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 you look at it as in a different light, which is if you as a filmmaker as a storyteller, if you want your movie seen by the most amount of people, right? If you want to entertain the most amount of people with your story. Um, then Netflix is is far and away the only only place in town to do that at the scale that we're talking about. Ross and Marshall Thurber, writer, director, Red Notice, streaming right now at Netflix. Ross, and thanks so much for this, man. Really appreciate it. Right, uh, thank you so much. It was a, a real pleasure. Thanks for the time. That's awesome. And uh, director there of Dodgeball and. We're the Millers, We're the which Millers. is a very underrated uh, comedy with Sudeikis and uh, Jennifer Aniston. He's working on We're the Millers too right now um we didn't have a ton of time with him i was going to ask him jason sudeikis was i've always been a huge fan of his work with even snl but he was not a huge celebrity when that came out now with ted lasso huge. he's a much bigger celebrity so you can go back and make a sequel to a movie like that with him and jennifer aniston and he's got a bigger star appeal what's it like with that he's also working on um a movie for netflix right now and i think he's actually working on it uh at, as we're doing this interview the division Mm. which is with Jake Gyllenhaal. And I wanted to ask him about Global Pandemic because it's based on a Tom Clancy video game 
where a global pandemic starts with, I think it's Christmas cards uh, that, are, that are given out to people around the holidays, that someone attacks America through Christmas cards. And by touching them, the, a, a global pandemic breaks out. And I wonder if that's a little too real you know, right now to do something that's fiction but about a global pandemic spreading that way. It's based on a smash hit video game series, The Division, and it's Jessica Chastain and Jake Gyllenhaal. I read a little bit too about him directing. looking to buck the trend because most video game movies have not taken been, off. Been great. That one. That one has a storyline everyone can relate to now, though. It's yeah, on. Right. It's on Black That's Monday. It starts in New York City. They they spread it through paper money on Black uh, Monday. Is how the disease is spread. We need to get it back on. That yeah. was that was a great that was chat. Cool. Was I'm fun. looking forward to this movie. The trailer's awesome. Headlines, when we return, then Bobby Carpenter joins us. Top games of the college football weekend. Chad's got his list ready for you next on Outkick 360.